This episode is brought to you by Canva. When your work looks good, you look good. So create all the stunning presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos you need with Canva. Start with one of the designer-made templates or jump ahead with the power of AI. It's a real time saver and anybody can use it. Whatever department you work in, whatever you need, Canva will help you get it done and make it look fantastic. Start designing today at canva.com. Design for work. Tap the banner to learn more. With everything going on in the world right now, there's one word that's getting thrown around to describe the coronavirus pandemic and its economic fallout. My overall word would be uncertain and probably more uncertain than it's been since any time after the financial crisis. There's a lot for people to be uncertain about. How widely this coronavirus will spread, how deadly it will get, how you're supposed to work at home with a bored nine-year-old. Will you even have a job next week if everything is closing down? The word uncertain is frustrating. It underlines how unknown things are, how uneasy and unmoored we feel about it all. It's not a word that we want leaders to use. And yet, it's the job of these leaders to confront uncertainty. And that's true even here at The Wall Street Journal. So, today on the show, Matt Murray, the editor-in-chief of The Wall Street Journal, on the uncertainty of the economy and the economic risks of this pandemic. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Tuesday, March 17th. We're at this moment where everything has an asterisk and everything is unknown. We don't know how many people are going to get this disease, how fatal it's going to be, how long it's going to last, how long the economy is going to shut down. And with that, we don't know if people can hang on to the other side of it. Matt Murray has covered a lot of major crises for The Wall Street Journal. 9-11, the 2008 financial collapse. And he's watched as the coronavirus spread and became the next biggest and most disruptive story in the world. We first reported on the existence of this new unknown coronavirus in China right at the beginning of the year. Our China Bureau uh, picked up on it right away and started writing stories right after the first of the year. Of course, we covered it fairly aggressively, but it was through the lens of this kind of obscure new phenomenon happening somewhere in China. But it's been like unpeeling an onion only in reverse. There's another layer and another layer. Before too long in China, as we know, the virus had spread throughout Wuhan and suddenly uh, people were closing down big parts of the country. And right away, as that happened, the economic ramifications started to become pretty dramatic and profound. Was there a moment when you remember realizing that this wasn't just a China story anymore, that this would be an all-encompassing global story? I think when Wuhan shut down, And when we realized that great parts of China were shutting down, we knew it was going to become a bigger story because China is the second largest economy in the world. And we knew that China going offline for a period of time would have pretty big repercussions for the rest of the world. At the same time, of course, we realized that this is a virus that's now 
going large and getting to be sort of a certain critical mass level, and therefore it's probably coming to other parts of the world. By then, you knew that the virus was going to become a global phenomenon. I think a lot of people felt like this was a China problem. What made you think that this, not just economically, but from a health perspective, that the shutdown in Wuhan wouldn't be enough to contain it? Because by that time, you knew from scientists and people we were talking with that it wasn't contained, it was going to get out, that you had a certain scale of the problem and enough people who were touched by it that it was inevitable that it was going to move on. And that wasn't very long before it turned up in South Korea. Then you knew the cat was out of the bag. As editor-in-chief, it's Matt's job to see how different small pieces of the story add up to become something bigger. And with the coronavirus story, there are many different ways you could look at it. There's the human element, the thousands of lives that are being affected, people who have lost loved ones, people who are quarantined, people who are on the front lines treating others. There's also the political story, how our leaders are responding. Were they prepared for this pandemic? And why or why not? We'll be covering all of those angles in the coming weeks. But because this is The Wall Street Journal, we're focusing today on the economic story. How is this pandemic changing work, changing industries, changing what people can afford to pay for? Already, it's posing a challenge to the strong economy America's had for the last 10 years. Despite a very strong job market, and hiring that's gone on that brought our, our unemployment rate down to a 50-year low uh, leading into this, which means we're in a good position going into this, there's still many Americans who are living pretty close to the edge, living paycheck to paycheck, who are in blue-collar jobs, jobs that uh, have a pretty immediate effect in a slowdown like this, and they're not in a position to ride out the economy. I mean, people who work for big companies, white-collar workers, not all, but certainly the, the affluent, you know, they're in a position to ride this out for a while. But here in New York, to give you an example, they closed down Broadway, and now they're closing down all the bars and the restaurants. So what do all of the people who work in those two places, show-to-show, paycheck-to-paycheck, do? They're facing an immediate crisis right now. We have a lot of people whose jobs are just going to go away, at least for a while. By the way, we should also note, we've got people who also have difficult jobs who've got to show up every day. While many companies are sending people home and many people are quarantining themselves, nurses and doctors and police officers can't do that. So suddenly work got a lot more perilous for one group of people. For another group of people who are living hand to mouth uh, or paycheck to paycheck, it's gotten uh, very difficult in a different way. The situation for workers looks really different depending on where you live and who you work for. And each industry is facing particular challenges. So small businesses, which are big employers collectively in this country, are immediately getting slammed. And they have very little give compared to large companies to keep employees on the payroll, to help uh, them get through a time of unemployment. In Ohio, Illinois, here in New York... Lots of parts of the country, restaurants, bars, pubs are closing down, and really small businesses are, are getting pinched and feeling it everywhere. That's what those are. Those are small businesses. We have a piece about somebody who's opening up a new restaurant in Brooklyn and a staff of about 50. He's already laid them all off. So there's going to be very dramatic effects for many small businesses here. That's where it's going to be felt most immediately. 
What about other industries? What do they look like right now? Airlines, we've been writing a lot about. Even though the airlines had been big and profitable companies in theory, they're operating pretty close to the line in terms of inventory and margins and demand evaporated. And every day, more borders are closing. So all of a sudden, the airlines are in very serious trouble. But really, you could go almost anywhere, uh, Kate. I mean, we reported this was Hollywood's uh, worst weekend in 20 years. And, you know, will Hollywood come back? It's already been in trouble. Or will this accelerate a shift to Netflix and watching movies at home? And people will just get more and more comfortable to being at home. There's some big questions out there for a lot of industries. One of the biggest questions out there right now is will all of this change cause our economy to head into a recession? I try to be very cautious about making predictions or talking over my head about what we can know at a particular moment. But I think it's hard not to think it's going to come. Certainly the Federal Reserve seems to think so. And if you look at the data points we've gotten, which have not been that many yet since this really hit the United States, they're pointing in that direction. A recession is traditionally defined as two quarters of economic contraction. That looks pretty likely at this point. Last quarter, GDP was low, and the chair of the Federal Reserve said he expects the second quarter to also be pretty weak. But how bad that recession could be is still an open question. It depends on a few things. How quickly we can come back, how soon we return to normal depends on a lot of other factors, including what the government response is like, how quickly demand bounces back, and what's changed during this period. At this point, of those factors, there's only one that's knowable. What the government might do. After the break, how the government is responding to this unfolding crisis. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Natrol. Natrol is America's number one drug-free sleep aid brand, helping you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. Natrol melatonin gummies are made with clean ingredients, like 99% pure melatonin, to work with your sleep cycle, helping you sleep better, making the next day your best day. Natrol. Sleep tonight, live tomorrow. Shop now at natrol.com. This product helps with occasional sleeplessness. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent diseases. Welcome back. In the last few days, the government response to the coronavirus pandemic has ratcheted up. On Sunday, the Federal Reserve made a big move. It dropped interest rates to the lowest they've been since the financial crisis, to almost zero percent. The move was intended to make borrowing as cheap as possible for businesses. But it didn't seem to bring back confidence to the markets. Dow Futures fell on that news. Now, part of that's because uh, traders look at that and they think, wow, if the Fed is, is going down to, to near zero, they must think it's really bad. And the effect carried over into the markets on Monday morning 
And the Dow uh, opened and right away went down 2,000 points and, and triggered the circuit breakers. It's another day of turmoil for the markets. But it took about five minutes for stocks to drop as low as they did. That has triggered an automatic circuit breaker, which stops all trading for the third time in a week. This has happened. We're keeping up. The Fed move sort of struck the market pretty dramatically as I think many in the market are still feeling what's the bottom here? How bad is this going to get? How bad is this going to become? But the Fed's role in the system, it's doing what it can do here. The real question is going to be the consumer, whether the federal government, whether the administration, whether Congress takes other actions that help with things like job security and uh, help us know consumer demand and things like that. So let's talk about what those other actions could be. What has Congress and the White House done so far? They've taken a number of different actions. They've delayed individual tax filing. They are working to help shore up state and local governments a little bit. Of course, they're aggressively moving on vaccines and other fronts. Now we're getting to the next stage of legislation where bigger ideas are being hatched. Today... The Journal reported that the White House is seeking a roughly $1 trillion economic stimulus package. Among other things in the proposal, about $50 billion would go toward helping the airline industry. Funds would also go to help small businesses. And about $250 billion of it would go directly into Americans' pockets. Today, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin said the administration would like to begin sending checks directly to some Americans in the next two weeks. Democratic leaders in Congress are coming up with their own proposal of $750 billion in economic stimulus. Their plan favors expanding unemployment insurance and paid sick leave to more workers. You've got, I think, a broad consensus that the government needs to do something, but each party also, of course, putting in some of its pet long-standing projects as they dicker over the details. Mitt Romney uh, talked about giving all Americans $1,000. So it seems like they all fall into this bucket of actions to help the consumer, to help Americans weather this loss of income as the country just grinds to a halt. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and while there's dickering, like I said, over the details, the pressure is going to build every day until they do something dramatic and something bigger here. That's pretty clear. When you look at the government's actions so far, do you think they can work? What do economists say? I think most economists would say they haven't seen a complete slate yet of actions and steps taken by the government that can address the range and severity of the situation. That's what is happening right now on the Hill, and that's what everybody's arguing about. Every day, the situation gets more urgent for them, and the situation potentially can get dire for a decent percentage of Americans rather quickly here. The big action that most public health experts and economists seem to be uh, uh, advocating, if you added it up, it comes to work as fast as you can to contain this outbreak, to limit its impact, shut everything down as fast as we can, and then with uh, government stimulus, ramp up as fast as you can on the other side. And it's a big question uh, whether we'll have a V-shaped recovery where we come back uh, sharp and strong or a U-shaped where we kind of limp back into action. Economists broadly would think some types of stimulus, aggressive stimulus, would increase the chances of the V. You called this economic moment uncertain, 
which is a hard place to be for anyone. How are you dealing with the uncertainty? I will say, probably like many parents, I do get a lift from my daughter, who at the age of 12, with school canceled at least until 8 April, feels like she's just been delivered a miracle from the mountaintop and is basically, uh, despite a scary situation, over the moon and not having to go back to school for a while. So, you know, some people find their joy in different ways. (laughs) I think the thing I try to remember here, we talked about having been through some other moments like this before. We're right in that moment where we know the least. We just don't know how it's going to go. We're all facing very changed circumstances in our lives very suddenly, and it's a very scary moment. And while I don't want to understate or minimize some of the human suffering or pain or some of the larger forces that we've talked about, we will get to some place of clarity. We will get to some different place of understanding. There will be another side to it. And I think that's one of the things you try to remember, we should all try to remember as you go through the moments right now. That's all for today, Tuesday, March 17th. But before we go, we wanted to ask you guys, our listeners, for a favor. We're hard at work trying to report all the different aspects of the coronavirus story, but it would really help us to hear what you want to know about. So we're asking, please send us an email or a voice memo with your questions to thejournal at wsj.com, and we'll try to answer them on the show. That's thejournal at wsj.com. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.